Welcome to another edition of DNVR Biz. I'm Brandon Spano. Today we've got AJ Hayfully on. He is our Avalanche beat writer and has been on our Avs beat since inception. He was on the very first meeting. He's one of the original OG members of the company, along with Ryan. And, you know, as, as far as people that are still here, of course, and, you know, really just a guy that I have a lot of respect for and a guy that means a lot to me and a guy that has done and sacrificed so much uh, to be here today. And he's going to talk about so many of those things. Uh, and he really gets it from the inside out. So can't wait for that. Let's jump to books here. I'm finishing up. I actually finished and have started my new book. But we're going to go one more quote here since I just started the new one. Charlie Munger, the complete investor, the quote here, one man's strength is that same man's weakness. I really love that. So many different ways to take that. This is a long interview, so I'm not going to go on a diatribe about that. But uh, I think we all have an understanding that that's something to ponder. Let's go to Bitcoin. It's down about 3.44%. 92.86 right now as of uh, 3.20 Mountain Time on a Wednesday afternoon. And the market's not looking much better. Dow Jones down almost three points. S&P 500, 2.6. NASDAQ down over 2%. Every single stock on my watch list, which is pretty long, is down except EA, which is up uh, about a quarter of a percent, and Spotify, which is up a half a percent. Spotify is battling through everything. It doesn't care what the market looks like. Pretty crazy, pretty crazy. If you look at the chart, whether you're looking at the five-year, uh, the one-year, the six, it doesn't matter. The thing just skyrockets. It, it's not a hockey stick. It's just a, it's a ladder. So pretty remarkable there. Let's get to the interview. AJ Hayfully on DNVR, the growth, the battles, the war wounds. It's all in here. Stigal Rob Kim. Load up. I'm blazing this out to all my comrades. You know what I mean? From the slums of New York to the gutters all over the world. This is for y'all. Through my travels, I try to take AJ, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining me today. I'm good, bud. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, you excited for hockey to, to get started up here soon? I'm excited for everything to get started up pretty soon. It's, <laughs> it's, it's all coming back within a week of each other. And it's going to be, we're going to go from nothing going on for several months to everything all at once. Yeah. You know, what's crazy. You are the, uh, you know, if there's one guy that is the all sports, everything it's, it's, I was, I wouldn't say it's definitely you cause it could be Ryan, but uh, you and Ryan definitely battle for that. And I think that you can drill pretty deep into, into most of these, even like draft and stuff. So it might actually be you clear cut, but you're kind of the, you know, can talk about everything, every single sport, like an expert. It's kind of weird, actually. Thank you. Thank you. That, <laughs> that, that ended up backhanded. So it went, it went from quite the compliment to a backhanded compliment, but I guess a compliment nonetheless. So I'll take it. <laughs> It's uh, hilarious. That's hilarious. So, you know, you're one of the guys, uh, you're one of the OGs, one of the Ridge. Yeah. So let's just talk about that. Let's talk about the very first meeting that me and you had in 2015 at 
BD's Mongolian Grill. Did I get it? Was that what it was? That's what it yeah, was. Yeah, that's that's where it was. That's actually a good place. It was. It was. It was quite good. I I was a little nervous and a little uncomfortable and wasn't entirely sure what was going on. I don't think I was sure what was going on. It was. I, I guess it was like the strangest job interview I've ever had <laughs> because normally like you have like a manager that sits there and like asks you the same 10 questions and then like they try and determine all of the things that they don't know about you in your life right there in like a maybe a 15 minute process and we had lunch and it was like well do you want to do you want to cover hockey and I was like well yep. <laughs> and that was sort of it like and it's funny i don't know if i've ever told you this but i spent the next like two or three days thinking i was like oh my god i've made this huge mistake what have i what am i what am i getting myself into why am i going in on this new venture i just started running mile high hockey which at the time was kind of like the pinnacle of my world and you know, like we were, we had a great group of people there and it was all my friends. And, and then it was like, Oh, let's jump to this totally brand new thing. And I spent a couple of days thinking, Oh my God, this is a terrible idea. And then I was just like, screw it. We're doing this. And that's yeah. kind of been my attitude ever since. Yeah. 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 I remember, uh, the original budget for your team was like, uh, hundred bucks a month or something. I, I Yeah, it was great. <laughs> we had, we, we literally, that's funny that uh, you're the second person I met, I talked to that um, has described that first meeting as an interview. Cause I just thought that I was pitching guys trying to convince them to come to uh, BSN. Cause I was trying to create this team. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't really think of it as an interview at the time, but when I look back on it, I'm like, that's kind of what it was. Yeah. 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 Sure. Okay. So let's talk some philosophy here. I would love for you to describe the transformation of this company over the last five years. Well, at first I think it was, it's funny to think about that first team meeting that we had in the conference room in that like weird office building with the elevator that didn't work right. And like, we were all sitting down and I remember you telling us at like the, the end of that meeting, like we talked about certain metrics and we talked about some of our page view goals. And I was like, we can smoke that because we do that at MHH already. Like I was like, Oh, hockey wise, we'll be fine. Right. Like we're going to be, right. we're going to bring in, we're going to bring every single person is going to follow me over here. And of course that ended up being a little more ambitious than I realized at the time. But I think that that's kind of what we were at the start. We were ambitious and we were, we were like this unorganized idea of what we wanted to be. And a lot of us were just sort of stumbling through the dark, trying to figure it out as we went. We were trying to not only develop identities on the beats and develop reputations with the teams that we covered, but we were trying to develop a community along the way. And then I think when we started to get a little bit more established, you get a year or two down the road, we switch over to subscription and it was kind of like, okay, now we're legitimate. We're, we've been here for a while. Now you guys are giving us money. We have to up the ante. We have to go to a different level because now you're paying us. This isn't just something you can click on and can consume for free anymore. So we had to grow up a little bit in a sense. And 
that's that's kind of what I feel like. I, I feel like the five years has sort of been like the 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 stages of growth as people. You know, you have your adolescence and then you know you have childhood and then you have your adolescence and then you have your teenage your awkward teenage years. And I feel like our awkward teenage years, certainly for from an abs perspective, the awkward teenage years was AD and I trying to figure out what we were doing together. You know, you had such an old school established mentality trying to blend it in as much as we could with new school and lots of fresh ideas and trying to do a lot of different things. And they just naturally clashed. And so, you know, that felt like that. It felt like being 14 again, where I didn't know up was down. Nothing made sense. Hormones, body changing, nothing was right (laughs) in the world. Right. It, it felt like every day was a new adventure of, of a, a roller coaster of emotions that I didn't always understand. And then I would really just say in the last year, it feels like we've grown up a lot and we've kind of come into our own, you know, culture wise, personality wise. It, it was like the light bulb went on, especially in the rebrand where we went from, it felt like a lot of stumbling around in the dark for a lot, for all of us, like all the different beats have evolved so much over time. The, the voice, the message, all of that. And then, you know, from your perspective, from I should say from my perspective of you over time just the way that you've evolved as a boss and how you kind of run the ship and how there were times where you didn't totally know what direction you wanted us to go in so we just tried stuff and then when we when we found stuff that worked we kept doing that and when we found stuff that didn't work we abandoned that (laughs) and so we just we just sort of ended up as this like weird mishmash of stuff that our audience told us we like that. And so we were like, okay, well, we're not morons. We're going to listen to what we're going to listen to what the people who are paying us are saying works. And you know, the podcast network was a huge thing. And then that went from, Hey, we're going to turn this into, this was a podcast network. Now it's kind of like a, a, an, an insulated radio station in a sense. And I think that's when we really found a comfortable footing because your background meant that you were comfortable running one of those. You knew what that vision looked like. It was the same basic principles of running a radio station. We were just doing it in a, in a different, more monetizable kind of fashion. And that allowed us to really branch out and be different from classic publications. We were no longer just writing things. Now we were creating an audio now we were now we're creating you know and then then the next natural progression with Ali was now we're going into video and now we kind of have these like pillars of of what we do from written journalism to the podcast to the video side of things it's like we have like these three pillars that we can kind of offer up people that there isn't any other real serious sports publication out there that can do that you know, right. we, we've, we've seen everybody's tried to adapt, right? Newspapers have tried to adapt. Websites have tried. You remember Fox Sports got rid of all of their written content completely and said, oh, now we're just video. And that was a total disaster. And that was their mistake to make because somebody got bold and they tried it. And we were all like, oh, we'll see how this goes. It didn't go anywhere. It didn't work for them. And so... Yeah, it's yeah. it's been interesting to learn that like you need to maintain that old school you need to maintain who you are in terms of like your culture and your your community building 
you need to be who you are when you cover the team. You don't have to take everything so seriously. We work in sports. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you touched on so many things there. You know, I, I think that one of the main things there is that we just listened to people constantly, constantly, yeah. constantly. We launched the podcasts and then they kind of demanded they were more often. And, and you know, and we just kind of, you know, I think during that whole time always had this idea, whether it was true or not, that everything was just right around the corner. Like we just got to last a little bit longer. We just got to last a little bit longer. We just got to last yeah. a little bit longer. And then, you know, eventually uh, years go by and, and you're finally hitting some of these things with casualties along the way. But, you know, that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you is essentially why have you believed in this for so long when so many times there was reason not to? Um, how familiar are you with Stockholm Syndrome? <laughs> uh, I kid. Um, That's jacked but, up. <laughs> and, you know, there were, there were days, you know, where it felt like, you know, there were days, I mean, there was one day you and you and I were literally screaming at each other in your office to the point where like the neighbors had to come over and be like, Hey, can you guys chill out a little bit? I'm like, Karen, get the fuck out of my office. Right. Like, we were like, <laughs> we're like who are you? I, I'm are like you interrupting this. I'm like, why in the world would you walk into an office that sounds like this when nobody knows you? Like, like, are you like Macho right. Man Randy Savage or something? It, what a it was, you know, looking back on it, kind of a power move on her part. <laughs> really was, really was. She was nice. Yeah, she was. And like, we learned our lesson that day. Like, don't, don't get too loud. Otherwise, the lady next door is going to drop the hammer on you. There's no lady next door anymore. Yeah, right. The lady next door is like the fire department as they go down Colfax <laughs> trying to solve the world's problems. That's exactly right. So, so it was... You know, like it, 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 it had its days, you know, there were struggles. There were times where I thought this, we're not going to make this, you know, like we're, we, we fought so hard for the littlest of gains for such a long time, you know, and, and I don't even mean money wise. I mean, just, just breaking into the market, people right. having heard of us, people understanding who we were and, and not knowing you never really had a solid idea of just how big or little you really were on any given day. Right. I would go to an abs game and I could walk around Pepsi center and people would recognize me. And I felt like I was the big man, right? Like it was like, all right, we're kind of a big deal. And then I would think about it and I would be like, there's 18,000 people in this arena. Four people recognize me. We're not that big of a deal. It feels like a big deal because four people recognize me and that's not right. something I'm accustomed to. But four out of 18,000 means we have a lot of work to do. And that was just in my little bubble. That was just in the Pepsi Center. Yeah, plus, plus, I mean, the disrespect that we obviously saw from the market over the years. I, And it's funny because I was the angry one about that. Like I was the one that wanted to go to war with everybody and I right, wanted to right. burn all the bridges down. And I just, I took on like the most punk rock attitude of like, if this guy, if that guy, if this institution, if that institution, yep, we're yep, going yeah, really to burn all of them down. We're going to leave their ashes are going to be in our wake. I believe that like, at one point you said that 
the earth is traditional sports media and we are the asteroid that like killed the dinosaurs or something. Exactly. Yeah. I said that the dinosaurs, <laughs> the dinosaurs were, were traditional sports media and we were the comet. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, yes. and that's like, for the record, I more or less still believe that, but in a, in a less <laughs> confrontational kind of way, because I've learned over the, the last couple of years, you know, as the athletic moved in and those guys threw all of their money at everything and we've watched them become really popular because they have really talented people that work there and produce great content. But I also laughed because I'm like, you guys didn't earn any of this. You guys showed up, dropped, dropped your wallets on the table and were like, take us seriously. And just the difference there is that we did have to face that disrespect. We did have to face, you know, that nobody took us seriously. I showed up right. and, it was like, who that, who is this guy? You know, I literally, I literally, and not going to name names, not going to get into all of it, but like, I literally was challenged to a fist fight by, by a media member. One oh time. yeah. yeah like it got crazy at some points. Like there were some insane things that went down and like, we fought through all of that. And the hard part of that was that we had to be the bigger person at every turn. Every single time somebody wanted to sling mud on Twitter, every time somebody wanted to bury us and use their platform to, to kind of throw their weight around and have us be on the other side of that, we just didn't say anything. We had to just swallow hard and say, look, we're building something bigger. Dozens of times we did that. We had to do that. And like, we don't have to do it anymore. And it feels amazing. It feels so liberating knowing that like we are who we are people respect us for what we've done and for what we've built because we did it the right way with the right mindset as angry as i was for several years about so much of this i it, it served us well competitively but it also served us well to know our limits and to know that there was a bigger picture at play and that you can't just live life being disrespected at every turn otherwise you end up alone like Michael Jordan. Now, you so, know, he's super rich and all, and he's wildly successful, <laughs> but that dude by himself. So, so, so back to the question then, why? What made you keep coming back? What made you believe? I, when we started, when we started to make real progress, when, you know, those first couple of years, it didn't really, me personally, I didn't have, I didn't have enough going on where I could easily just say, Hey, I've got something else going on. You know, we, you know, there were people that we lost along the way because they got real world opportunities just as we were starting to build. Mm -hmm. And we were all understanding of that. We said, Hey, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And that sucked because it, it felt like every time we would gain traction with one team, something like that would happen. And it was like, Oh, this is frustrating. And then, you know, we just sort of built it ourselves you know, instead of waiting for, you know, either an investor or a big hire to come in and, and save us or vault us, not save us, but vault us into that next tier. We just did it. We just did it ourselves. We just kept, we just kept working at it and we just kept hacking away. And we believed that if we created something good enough and listening to the audience was a big thing for me because they were the ones telling me, AJ, you're good enough to do this. 
I've always had the crisis of confidence. I've never really totally understood how I got here, why I'm here, why people continue to have me around. But then you look at the community and then people are excited to meet me at things. People, people want to read the content that we produce. And like, that speaks for itself. If I can't, if I can't believe in myself, but I can believe in the audience believing in me, then that's, that's what it, that's what needs to happen, right? Love that, love that. And and so that's kind of what that's what propped me up when I wasn't entirely sure I was cut out for this. And you know there are still aspects of this job and of this business that I'm not comfortable with or that I don't totally love. But the juice is always worth the squeeze. At the end of the day, we're covering hockey. I'm getting to cover the ads. I'm getting to be part of this awesome company that's starting to make waves that's starting to create a real meaningful footprint in Denver. And that's the dream. That's why it was easy to believe was because we either weren't going to work out and we were going to be a punchline to somebody a few years down the road. And none, none of that would matter. I would be working in whatever industry and I wouldn't know that and I wouldn't care. Or we would be successful and we would, we would accomplish what, we're, what we wanted to accomplish. We would change how Denver sports were covered we we would be the company to to bring those memories to head you know when people people when when the broncos won the super bowl we all have like the mementos are newspapers you know with the headlines and the picture and that's the physical like oh this is my memory of this we would get to create those because we would have the podcast episodes we would have the videos on YouTube. We would have whatever. We would have the content that defined people's memories of Denver sports. And that's what made it easy to believe is that one day that was going to be us, that we were going to create the content that people remembered and associated with all of their sports memories, good and bad. How would you describe the culture at DNVR? You know, we're still small enough that it's easy to say tight knit we we were we're very we have a very strong family atmosphere and i think what makes us what what makes us likable is that it's a genuine family atmosphere we're not selling a bill of goods you know we're not we're not a multi-million dollar corporation trying to act like we're the scrappy little guy you know we are the scrappy little guy even even with the 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 money that we've been given in terms of investor funding it's you're not you're not seeing articles in Forbes about it. You know, we haven't raised $44 million in capital. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't, we don't, we have to be smart at every single decision that we make. That's true. Every dollar that gets spent has to be spent for a reason. It has to be spent for a purpose. And I think that creates accountability in that everybody, everybody who gets hired here has to earn their salary in that we have to create something that's value. Every person has to be able to have a tangible addition to, to, to their respective teams. We don't just have people to have them. Oh, it would be cool to have a really niche person that's doing this one thing. No, we have to create a, a certain value. And I think that creates an accountability with our, our listeners and readers and subscribers because they know that we're serious about this, that we have to do this, that this is literally our survival, that we don't, we don't have a, you know, a, a big bank of cash that we can fall back on and say, well, if this doesn't work, we can cash out and go do something else. This is it. 
all of us are financially, emotionally all in with this project. And that creates, that creates a certain sense of urgency, but it also creates accountability and a closeness where you go through the wars together and, you know, and, and these are our wars. These are like sports media wars. So not like a real one, but you go through these trials and tribulations together and it creates a natural bond that you just can't fake. And when you do that, you create it with your subscribers too. And that bond is genuine. And I think that's, that's the number one thing about our culture is that we're real. We yeah, aren't, I, I, I love we that. aren't making it up. Yeah. I, I love that. The other side of that is that, it, and this is very different because we have sports media people that, you know, when we talk, I, I think in, in so many sports media companies and networks and stations, you know, uh, sales and marketing and, you know, talent side, and it could be even, you know, broken down on the talent side in, into video and written in all these different categories. And it's very segmented and, you know, none of those pieces feel like they're married to the other or accountable for the other. And that's very different than here. Here, we all work on the same team. We all work towards the same goal. We all try to do the same things. And when we bring on a new partner, we get on a conference call and say, hey, this is our new partner. They're supporting us. Everyone gets excited and says, wow, they're supporting us. We all drink that beer or, you know, use that app or whatever the, whatever the thing is. It really becomes an inherent value to us. And, and we kind of pull this in and, and make it personal for us. Everybody's really good at that. Everybody's pushing t-shirts when we make t-shirts. And it's like, it's like we have these... Yes, they're podcasters. Yes, they're journalists. Yes, they're reporters, many of them. Yes, the vast majority of them are credentialed. Many of them have journalism degrees. But they're also these like many entrepreneurs that are out there that all own a, 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 some equity in this brand. And they're also selling t-shirts and pushing promo codes and selling subscriptions and stuff. And that's part of kind of who we are is that whole thing. And that's that scrappiness of it. You know, we all have to wear a lot of different hats. You can't just be, you can't just stay in one lane and, and be good there now. It just doesn't work. It, you have to do too many different things. People want, people want varied content. Everybody has their own flavor. And we are, we're kind of like a sports buffet. You know, we offer so many different things to sports fans to consume that we become, you know, we're just, we're just a different style of option for sports fans. How did you feel like, how do you feel about, I mean, now I know that, you know, it's, it's something that you're comfortable with, but like early on when we first do things, like how did you feel when we were first pushing t-shirts and stuff like that? You know, like did, did, did it ever cross your mind? Like, you know, like what the hell are we doing? Or are you always just like, okay, this is what we got next. Let's go. I think I was more, when it came to t-shirts, it was more of a, you know, and I'm a natural skeptic um, with most everything we've done. I've always kind of been like, huh, this will be interesting. Let's see how this works. And when it came to the t-shirts, I was, I wasn't, it wasn't, I won't say uncomfortable, but it was more just cautious. I wasn't totally sure what the goal was. And then, you know, when I talked earlier about walking around Pepsi center and seeing, you know, people recognizing me and feeling like, Oh, we're making an imprint. 
all of a sudden I'm going to, I'm covering ads games and everybody that they're bringing up on for, for trivia the and, and on the, the Jumbotron to do all these things, they're all wearing different, different BSN Denver shirts. <laughs> you know, they're, that was got, insane. We've got three headed monster. We've got the, the eight bit McKinnon, you know, we've got all these different ad shirts. We got the Grubauer, the, the Grubauer brick wall shirt, which I didn't like. It's still not my favorite. Oh, I and love that love shirt. And I knew immediately like, that was that one was going to pop. And and like all of a sudden you start to see these things are in your community. And not every one of those, you know that not every single one of those people was a subscriber. They just saw they just saw the, the t-shirt and were like, oh, that's cool. And that, I think there was a light bulb that went off in my head when I started to see our gear on the Jumbotronic games especially in the postseason, where it was just like, oh, this is so cool. Where it was like, okay, we are going to a different level here. This is, this is not just like, oh, hey, sign up for something and we'll send you a, a hat or whatever. You know, like it was like real gear and it, it, it was comfortable and it looked cool and it just, it had its own personality and like, I'm not a natural salesman. I'm not comfortable with it. I don't love it. But when we continue to make products that I like, like, and we continue to attach ourselves to sponsors that I can get down with, it makes it a lot easier for me because people know that I'm not going to, I'm not going to BS them. You know, I'm, I'm, I pride myself on being genuine with people and having a real relationship with my listeners is important to me. And so when we have stuff that I can believe in, just makes selling it very, very easy for me. Walk me through the day that you were invited down to the bar and we made the announcement that in the meeting that this is our new bar. At first, you know, driving down there, I was on the phone with the fiance and I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm walking into. Like, Anytime, anytime we ever have big company meetings, it's either to tell us that we're in the trough of sorrow or for whatever that was called <laughs> and that we have no money and that we, every time we have, we might be, no, 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 I'm go, let me finish. Like every, every big company meeting was either, Oh God, we're, we're on life support or we need to come up with ways to come up with money to stay on life support or these are the really awesome things that have happened for us. And we're moving forward with these. Like it was always such a roller coaster that I had no idea. It was like, look, this is either going to be a really, really cool thing that I'm walking into, or it's going to be bad news. And we were in, we were in a place where it was like, we just rebranded. Everything was popping off for us. So I felt like this is a good thing. And then you're like, Hey, this is the DNVR bar. And it, it kind of takes a few seconds for it to sink in and allow for the possibilities to, to, to sort of settle in. Like we can host our own watch parties. We can have our own podcasts here. When people come from out of town and they want to know where they need to go, we can give them one place and it's our place. Instead of sending them to three or four different places and being like, check those out based on where you are. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, come yeah, to yeah. our spot. Come, yeah. you know, you already rock well, our well, gear. Let's like, let's let, let's let's talk about watch parties because that was like a huge thing. I mean, like that was after shirts, and I those things like t-shirts and then watch parties 
that kind of created like the lifestyle company because before that it's this front facing media company. And then you add t-shirts and now people are wearing this stuff. Then you add watch parties and all of a sudden like hundreds of people are coming to these things. And now like you're in this completely different category. So let's actually take a step back because yeah, the whole reason we get to the bar is because of the fact that we're sending people to different bars around the metro area that we have partnerships with that we're doing this big, these big watch parties with. How was that to watch us start doing these in the first one? There's like 20 people and then you go to one and there's like 40 or 50. And then before you know it, you're doing, you know, you're, you're packing like BST on a, postseason abs game or something and the place is going nuts it's like you're at uh, it, 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 we used to what, what we used to say like make an away game feel like a home game or something yeah yeah um that was insane right uh what what was that like from your perspective one of our first watch parties we did up at bender's bar and grill and adrian jesse and i went up there and there were three of us and i think there were four people there to hang out with us <laughs> and we were so excited about that we thought that was so cool and i got pretty inebriated that night and said a lot of adult language on the podcast and that was a pretty intense episode and then we you know we were sort of hit or miss on the on the watch parties like few people here a few people there and then the really cool part was we started, they started to build and we started to see the same couple of people. Okay. We might get 15 people, but 10 of them are going to be the same ones. And then that 10 turned into 15 and that 15 turned into 30. And then all that was happening. And then other people were coming because we were doing giveaways, you know, well, Hey, you have a chance to win something. Oh, there's only X number of people here. You have a good chance to win. Right. A bunch of people got that in their heads. And then all of a sudden we have, we have blown out Blake street tavern. <laughs> and like, we've got, we've got people that can't even get into the room that we have rented in, in Blake street because we've overfilled the place. And then that turns into the playoffs where, every goal was heartbreak or pure joy. You know, I, during one of the games in the postseason, I had to take a walk because the number of people and enclosed space, I started to have a panic attack. So I took a walk down the street. I was two blocks away from Blake street tavern when the abs scored a goal and I could hear the crowd. I knew that they had scored because the people that we had brought into our watch party were so loud that two got blocks crazy. away, those were get. I heard that those playoff games were so insane. They were it was bananas, and it was like this is our community. These are our people. These are the and these they people are having a good time. These are the people that are going to come back. These are the people that we've built this relationship with, and. These are the people we want. Like, these are the diehards. These are the people that live and die with us, with us. Speaking of communities, let's take it way back because the one thing I was going to actually address that I, that I never did was like, what did it feel like, like the first full year, year and a half, maybe even better part of two years where you literally just carried the company on your back on the content side because you brought this massive abs community over and you were like our only thriving team community. You know, Ryan had, had built up buffs. 
as much as you can build up buffs in comparison to the four majors in the market. And, you know, Broncos was a work in progress. Obviously we were just walking in and that was so big. We thought we'd never get traction and that's changed. Right. And, and same with obviously nuggets. We didn't really start, you know, taking over the nuggets market here until the last 12 months. But Avs was like, from day one, you walked in, you brought a team with you and it, our old model and you guys just, you know, it was like 90% of the pages for the first year was Avs and you obviously knew that you were the backbone there. So what was that like to kind of be that, that person at the start of this? Or do, do you remember it like that? The I, way I described I, it. I don't, I never thought of it that way. Um, <laughs> I never. That's how bad be, I am at complimenting it. <laughs> I never, I never looked at it as, you know, like we knew, like we saw, we saw the metrics, we, we saw the numbers and stuff and we were, we were cognizant of what was going on, but it, it was not a, it was not a, I've never felt competitive with my, with, with the other beats. I've, you know, and I, I know we've, we've manufactured some competitions, you know, podcasts, subscriptions, things like that, you know, to, to because our, our communities will get competitive on our behalf, but I never, I never felt that way. All I wanted was success for all of us. You know, it, it wasn't a good feeling to be like, Oh, my beat is doing great. And then I look over at someone else's beat and someone else's beat is just struggling to get noticed at all. You know, they, you know, can, we're getting 11 page views on, on, on one of these stories, you know? And it's just like, it, 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 that didn't feel good in any way. It was never like that. Honestly, I was just happy that we were, we were able, you know, to survive. And if that meant that the abs had to carry the water for the first year, year and a half, great. That's awesome. Like that, you know, we're happy to have done that. Whatever it took, whatever it took to, to get us through, whatever it took for us to survive as a group was the point. And knowing that, you know, someday this is going to come back around that eventually the Broncos are going to take over because the fan base is just unparalleled. It's, it's too big of a fan base, too big of a media epicenter, you know, the abs fans they're passionate but it's not a big fan base it's just it's hockey fans you know they're they're loud but they're not many and knowing that there was a cap on that growth and that it wasn't going to last forever i just wanted to retain as many of those people as possible convince as many of the abs fans of the abs diehards that we were worth their time and their effort and the money I'm, I, I, it was never competitive for me with the other people. You really plugged in. That was the thing that I think that that's the people that we get. There's a lot of the vast majority of media people, reporters in particular, in every market are so disconnected from the audience. And you'll say, oh, well, this guy has 40,000 followers though. And this guy, but, but like, there's no connectivity there. And, you know, you have been always so connected to the audience. Like, you know what our Q score was on Reddit and how we were being perceived on Twitter and what people were saying in YouTube comment sections. Like you've always been so dialed in to that. And and so I think that that has allowed us to be able to be 
super niche and super digital for those diehard fans that live on their computers all day, hanging out with abs people, reading abs content, listening to abs podcasts, watching abs videos, just being a living the abs lifestyle. And, and that's what people don't usually get about us is that, you know, our people live the sports lifestyle. They, their whole, you know, everything they do, they wake up, they check sports stuff on Twitter. They listen to sports mm-hmm. podcasts on the way to work while they're at work. They've got a browser open where they're hanging out on Reddit or on Twitter or in our, you know, uh, in our comment section, talking about abs, reading this stuff, watching this stuff. Then after it, they, you know, they're, they're wearing an ad, they're wearing abs stuff, DNVR stuff during the day. And then after work, they go to a watch party, like, and, and they live their entire lives like this. Uh, you've been directly connected to those people the entire time. And, and I think our, most of our, uh, you know, all of our people really have inside of their communities. And, and that's really, in my opinion, one of the things that's allowed us to understand what they want. Cause we, as I always say, we haven't been on the stage. We've been in the crowd. It's a good way to put it. There are people that cover the abs that don't talk to their fan bases that will put, they put out tweets and they fire off the news and then they're done, you know, or they have more of an adversarial relationship. I, for me, my fans pay my, pay, pay, pay my bills. You know, Ima- my, imagine, imagine your brand just being guy who argues with his fans. Right. And like, if you have, 50,000 followers, you can get away with that to some extent. Like there's, there's, there's freedom in being able to do that because you know that if you lose 45 people, you've got 50,000 people still left, Right, right. you know, like who are listening to you. But for me, I don't want that. You know, if you don't, if you don't like me and you don't like what we do, that's okay. I don't take that personally anymore. Yeah. 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 This isn't for everyone. We've always, I, uh, that's the one thing I've always loved about this is that this isn't for everyone. We know exactly who this is for. We craft it perfectly for them. And we know that if those type of people find it, they're going to be with it forever. And, yeah. and, and we're going to love them and they're going to love us. And it's a, it's going to be a match made in heaven. And if you're not, that's totally fine. This isn't, we're not trying to appeal to everybody. We're not trying to create some low level stuff so we can appeal to a, pop culture audience or whatever. Like this is really, this is a place for diehard sports fans that live it, breathe it, wear it, you know, eat it, whatever. And that's who this is for. And, and it's totally fine. If you're not one of those, no hard feelings. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that I, it took me a little while to get over was that I had to be okay with losing people. And when that happened, I gained two for every person I lost. Because I just, I tapped into being who I was and being comfortable in my own skin and owning our own identity. And then that's, you know, that speaks to a lot more people than, you know, we're not, we're not the most professional of people, of companies. We're not trying to be, we're not trying to act like we don't have any fun. You know, we're not, we're on Twitter, hanging out with our followers. We're on Twitter, interacting and being part of the community that we built because what, what good does a community do you if you're not going to interact and enjoy them? If you're going to build up this whole community of followers, all these people who like your work, you don't ever give them an opportunity to say thanks or 
hey, I really enjoy your stuff or I would love to talk hockey with you. We go to the watch parties and people I've never met before end up spending 20 minutes talking to me about the Avs second power play unit and they're, they're the 10th guy on the bench or, you know, like whatever. It's like, and, and that's it. Like you have to love your community in order to build a community that loves you. Otherwise it's such a, it's such a transactional relationship. And I don't, I, I don't ever want that for us. What do you think the future of sports media looks like? Whatever we decide. <laughs> Whatever we want it to look like, man. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't know what's next, but I have faith that we'll be there. Yeah. Okay, let's go to the speed round here. Question number one. Most important book ever for you. It's a book called Not Fade Away. It was written by a guy who was dying of cancer. Wow. And it came out, it literally came out two days after my dad had died. And they were, they were the same age and they had the same first name. And it was, we walked into the bookstore, my mom and I, because we didn't know what to do with ourselves. You know, our world had just ended. I was 16 years old and my mom's life had just been totally shattered. You know, her life partner just died on her and she was in her middle ages. And it was, it was this awful, awful experience, right? And we go to this bookstore and we walk in and, and we're both in like this haze. Like we're there because we love reading books and that was sort of a safe place for us. And the lady said, oh, what are you guys looking for? And we're like, literally anything to get our minds off of any of this. And she said, oh, well, this just came out today. It's good. I started reading it this morning. You should check it out. And it was all about, it was all from his words, the, the, the guy that was dying and his journey through, you know, his relationships with his loved ones. And it sort of, it felt like, it felt like it was my dad giving me life advice for the last time. And that I took, I took a lot of that with me and a lot of that helped me in processing the grief uh, over the next few years, because it felt like anytime, anytime I started to, Oh, I can't remember what his voice sounds like or his laugh, or I started to feel disconnected from him. I could go back and read that book and it felt like he was talking to me and that, that shaped me in a lot of ways um, in my twenties. Wow. DNVR bar opening up behind me. People in the studio, it's it's talking. It's uh, sounding lively over here. Wow. Okay. So next one, not as deep here. Uh, most underrated athlete of all time. By the way, I, I don't know if you heard Yu Chang on. He picked Mike Ricci as his most underrated athlete of all time. So uh, anyway, my uh, most underrated athlete of all time. Who do you got? Boy, I'm gonna go with Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders, that's, I mean, uh, this is a guy who is largely known as the greatest cornerback of all time. Right. Well, and then also was a very, very good uh, center fielder for, for the Braves. Like the guy was legit in two sports and I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not old enough to have seen Bo Jackson play. Mm, okay. So I can't, I can't, I can't in good faith use him as my answer. I would say just based on what I've heard and, and the respect that every single person on earth had for him as an athlete, probably Bo Jackson. But for me, I would say Deion Sanders because he just 
what he was able to do in multiple sports. And it wasn't like he'd been playing both forever, you know? He was just like, oh, I'm just going to go do this. Yeah, because he was, he was amazing. Because he could. Yeah, I mean, just to put your kind of open question in context, Bo Jackson played baseball, and then when the season ended after a playoff run, and he would come to the Raiders in week eight and play half a season and run for 1,000 yards. Right. Um, so <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah. And what he did to poor Brian Bosworth was always pretty good. amazing. Okay, so the last one, what is the a business or an industry or space that you're most excited about moving forward in the short term, in the short future? Honestly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say just the medical field in general. Really medical. I thought for yeah. sure you were going to go video games on this one. No, I think that, I think that the technology has gotten so good and our, our understanding of how the body works and, and just as importantly, when it doesn't has advanced so much and that, that we are going to be getting, I think the next 20 years, we're going to see some medical breakthroughs that today would seem mind boggling to us. I think it's going to be, I think the medical field is going to experience breakthroughs like what we saw with like smartphones where we went from having cell phones one day. And then within 15 years, we were at the absolute top of, we had smartphones that could do absolutely everything in our entire lives. We're now based on this one little device that we walked around with that used to be just a phone and now is the center of all of our existences. And I think that we're going to see, I think the medical field is ripe for the big break, the next big series of breakthroughs. And I think that that's great because let's be healthy and figure stuff out and, and hopefully curing cancer would be one of them. Great stuff. Age really appreciate you coming on, man. Full hour there. So pretty good. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Always great to uh, chat with you and uh, hear your opinions on the business side. I know you're you're consistently engaged in that, so it's always good. Yeah, my pleasure.